This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from OneTrust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the OneTrust team for their support. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. We're having 20-minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at buildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and download a free chapter. Today on the podcast, we talked with Scott Nixon, co-founder and CTO of Happy Herbivore. He talks about the incredible growth he and his wife have seen over the past few years. He dives deep into the strategies and benefits of retargeting and shares some staggering numbers. If you haven't experimented with retargeting before, you certainly will after this episode. We'd like to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors. CodeShip makes continuous delivery simple and easy. Go to CodeShip.com slash RocketShip to get 20% off three months. We'd also like to thank InVision App. 
Envision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. Go to Envision app forward slash rocket ship to get the starter plan free for 90 days. Customer.io is a modern email platform built for startups. Go to customer.io slash rocket ship to start sending emails that convert. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. We're joined with Scott Nixon, co-founder and CTO of Happy Herbivore. Scott, welcome. Hey, thank you. Glad to so, be here. For those who uh, aren't too familiar, why don't you give us a little background on what you're doing? Yeah, um, well, I'm basically a sysadmin and programmer. Um, my wife, about eight years ago, started um, a blog, uh, which became Happy Herbivore. And she eventually wrote uh, traditionally published cookbooks. Um, at this point, I guess she's got about six books published, uh, or will be, the sixth one will be out soon. And um, uh, about three years ago, we had started playing around with uh, meal plans. And uh, we just kind of on a whim launched it. And the first week, it, it did over $1,000. And we were like, wow, we really have something here. Because she had released maybe a half dozen other kind of books and products and stuff. And they'd done well. Um, but that response, you know, $1,000 in a week was like really kind of like compelling. And so we released the next week or whatever. And that kind of started this um, this primary revenue source for uh, Happy Herbivore. Um, what were those priced at? Um, it was $5 or donate whatever you want. We, we used eJunkie for probably five years and eJunkie or for a couple of different products, but, uh, it was, they allow you to do kind of like pay whatever you want. So that's what we tried. And eventually we, that went away, but, um, and that was just organically like to her existing, um, list. Yeah. So it, everything was on happyherbore.com. Um, and, so she has had a huge newsletter, a huge blog following for a long time. I mean, probably when her first book came out, um, I don't know what the number, the number of visitors was probably about a quarter of a million uh, throughout the year, unique visitors, like a million page views or something like that. And um, that has kind of doubled every year, every year since for about the past four years. And so she has a pretty significant audience, both on the blog, on Twitter, on Facebook, and big newsletters too. So, Wow, that's really impressive. Do you know how big that list was when you announced the first set of meal plans? I would guess it was probably between five and 10,000. There was a lot less emphasis on the email list. Um, but the tricky thing about that is that we have this disparity because there's also feed burner that's still out there. And so people subscribe to the email blog kind of thing. So. Mm -hmm. I don't really know it. <laughs> and was she sending, was she just sending out blog posts when she would write them to that list? Yeah, obviously FeedBurner emails out at whenever, you know, every morning or whatever, when you would publish a blog post. And she was probably publishing three to five blog posts a week back then. Um, and newsletters maybe, uh, maybe like a couple of times a month. What happened was as the meal plan business kind of took off, we built a, a separate email list um, specifically for the meal plans. And that list is probably closer to like 40,000 nowadays. Wow. So what do the meal plans look like? And um, what's the kind of repeat purchase cycle? Is it a meal plan that gets you through a week or a month and then they need to come back? Or is it more of a longer term purchase? 
Yeah, there's seven days. Um, and so a meal plan is basically kind of a calendar that lists your meals for a week. Now, there's two types of meal plans. There's a family, which is basically dinners and a couple of suggested lunches and breakfasts. And then there's an individual plan that is every single meal for the week. And so you get you pick one of the two that you're going to do or you can do stuff off both. And then you have a shopping list and the recipes. And so the idea is that you go shopping one time and then you can do some some prep on one day of the week. And then you have a lot of either meals completely prepared or mostly prepared. And it saves you a lot of time, money. You're less likely to waste things. Um, And there's a lot of stress and anxiety around what are we going to eat for dinner tonight? And um, I think that's probably the taking out some of the guesswork is probably one of the biggest value um, that a typical customer gets. Now, we always launch them every single week. Um, About two years ago, we started subscriptions. And so that meant that for a monthly fee, we send you an email with the the new plan every single week. Um, And now we sell and and now we sell annual plans as well. But uh, that doesn't really change the way we kind of deliver the content. Um, But we recently just this week changed it to um, if you buy a subscription, you get both the individual and the family plan where they were sold separately before. Um, And part of the reason we did that was because we wanted to take away the buying anxiety of which one do I choose? And you just buy a subscription and then you just kind of figure out which one works best for you. So you kind of answered my next question, which was going to be around how you um, encourage repeat purchases. Um, And I love obviously the subscription idea. That's the business we're in as well. But um, what else did you guys do in terms of uh, growing a new audience? Um, Because you say initially you had um, about five to 10,000 people on the list, um, but now you're getting, you know, many millions in website visits. Um, That's a huge jump. So I'm curious what you did to really scale up um, in just a matter of a couple of years. Um, I I, I think most of it surrounds um, the typical content marketing play where you, you are useful and you write things that help people and answer questions that they have. Now, the thing about, um, kind of being a vegan eating plant-based, um, maybe, I don't know, we might say, Lindsay might say that half of maybe the people that buy her cookbooks and subscribe to the meal plans are not necessarily vegan, hundred percent plant-based, and what they're they're transitioning there, or maybe they're just trying to eat healthier. Um, a lot of moms and stuff like that. And so there's a lot of kind of um, there's a lot of information that you kind of need to kind of build up to get to this point where you can understand these things. Like how do you take eggs and oil out of baking? Like how do you make brownies without oil or eggs? And how do you make pancakes without milk or eggs and stuff like that. And so there's just this process that you have to kind of learn these kind of things like using applesauce and, um, you know, a bunch of other bananas and stuff like that, that you can replace these fats that really kind of give you a very similar experience food wise. Um, and so there's just a lot of information to learn and, um, a lot of there's, it's about health, right. And there's also about the applied, uh, science of it where you actually make make the food yourself. So there's a lot of opportunity to teach people. And, um, and so that she just hardcore blogged for a really, really long time. We have scaled back the amount of content we create because there's just 
organically so much traffic there. And there's such a huge community that we've built up that we've answered a lot of these questions. And what we found over the last year or two was that we were kind of rehashing, republishing a lot of stuff. Um, and uh, so we're trying to push more new content through email um, because we heavily invested in Facebook over the years and Facebook kind of has taken away some of She's got over 130,000 fans on her Facebook page and Facebook was a huge part of us driving sales every week. Um, and part of the reason we did subscriptions to kind of shift a little bit uh, was that we noticed in the summertime that there was like this seasonality, this drop in um, people using the internet interaction on the blog. It just, everything about it dropped down. So sales would drop. And so we, we created subscriptions to, to specifically prevent that kind of like nuclear winter to our, our income. And, um, and so what happened within three months of, of launching the monthly subscriptions, we doubled revenue and uh, which was already pretty significant because it was supporting both my wife and myself and um, a couple of freelancers um, that, that were all part time or whatever. But, um, you know, and then it's just, you know, we've just kind of grown it from there. I mean, I think we spend a lot of time interacting with with people and helping them, you know, they you know, the number of emails that Lindsay has probably answered in the last eight years is probably in the hundred to 150,000 range. I mean, it, it's pretty, pretty significant. Um, we try to push more people into FAQs and searching on the blog now the best we can. Um, but I think we've done 11,000 support tickets in the last, um, 18 months, I think it was that, that we looked it up this week. So I was going to ask about that. I'm sure you have help on the design development side, but with a lower price product that recurs, you guys must have a lot of turnover and a lot of customers. So how do you, is the support load pretty low for that with meal plans? Yeah. I mean, people can cancel themselves and, um, sign up. I mean, the same, it's pretty simple. Because it really, all they need to do really is enter a credit card and we send them emails, that kind of stuff. Um, in, in about a, in about a four month period, we actually churn like a hundred percent of our subscribers. I think is or maybe not. It's maybe not that quite bad when you. It's definitely four months when you look at monthly subscribers. I mean, we're talking yeah hundreds of of churned people every single month but we also get almost as many subscribed i mean or it, it just depends it definitely varies we did not have a very good month in august uh we definitely churned more people <laughs> than we than we got mm -hmm. in august but um but that's just the seasonality of it um, we just had a big annual sale on wednesday um and i mean it it was it was a good day. So, but we're growing real realistically. I mean, because we actually just hired our fourth full time employee. She started September second, and, and we're not paying like low either. I I suspect that our our first assistant um, is probably more more well paid than probably any other content editors on the on the internet. You know, so. Um, so one of the things you mentioned uh, when we were talking before the podcast was that you've seen some really great success with retargeting. 
And I wanted to spend a little time um, learning about what you've done and some of the results you've seen. Yeah, so um, we've probably been retargeting since about November of 2013. And pretty much immediately, it was the first day or two, it was obvious that for every dollar we spend, we made at least three to five dollars. So we have almost no margin on what we're selling. Um, So the lifetime value, uh, so in the lifetime of us retargeting, um, we have done our average cost per acquisition is $5. Now, the lowest price product we sell is $7, but we also sell monthly subscriptions that are $18.99, and we also sell annual subscriptions that are $179. And the conversion, the lifetime about, so like I said, since November, um, we've done almost 39,000 in conversion value versus $12,000 in cost. And so to some extent, you're spending money to make money. Um, and I, but it's just been, it's been fantastic because the retargeting ads are really effective. And, um, I think bringing back people that maybe purchase once and then kind of drift away, you know? And so it's, we're really happy with what we've seen. So we use retargeting for hook feed, but it's pretty basic integration. Do you guys have more complex, uh, product focused ads that you're running? Like for someone that buys a one-off product, do you then target them to come back for a recurring product, something like that? The only thing we are currently retargeting for is the meal plans. And so, yes, there we obviously do have a recurring revenue component um, with the sub, sub, subscriptions. I keep calling them subscriptions because we just changed it to a membership to be more elite, right? Yeah. Um, so the way that we handle it, it's mostly about like triage, like taking people off lists. So the email that I send every Wednesday through our custom app, um, it drops a pixel on their computer so that they um, don't see ads. And if they recently purchased within the either a seven day or a 30 day window, depending on which product they bought, we're excluding ads. And so part of it is you're using these, these pixels to save yourself money, but it's also, you don't want to show ads to people who just bought your product. It's really not a, um, I would say it's not what you would consider a good experience. Um, the reason I have not used retargeting for our other products is because our other products see a lot less um, traffic and um, you know we're just totally focused on on the meal plans I mean I don't I I'm not sure what it's gonna the mix will turn out to be this year but last year 65% of our revenue was the meal plans and some of the Maybe another 15 or 20 percent of that revenue is purely from book um, royalties. So we want to give all of our focus on um, retargeting uh, the meal plans because this is where we make all our money. So do you see a big difference in um, conversion rates from retargeting on Facebook versus uh, like ads around the web? Um, When you do web based retargeting, you you spend more, and um, the con- number of clicks are, are less. Uh, the I think part of the reason for that is that there's a lot of 
places where um, there are people are actually spending obviously a lot more time on the internet and there's a lot of more opportunity for there to be ads that they maybe don't see. Um, and where on Facebook, they're kind of, they always are more kind of in your face. They're where people are looking. They're either in line with the content in, in the case of a newsfeed ad, or they're on the sidebar. Um, and there's an, some interesting statistic that I can't remember completely what the percentage was, but a huge percentage of people use Facebook, but never look at the newsfeed because they're either looking directly at pages, um, or they're looking at photos, um, and so it's it, or they're playing games. That's the other huge po- component of it is that there's always sidebar ads in games and on uh, pictures. Yeah, we we tried the newsfeed ads and they didn't work great and they were a lot more expensive. Yeah, I think you have to for newsfeed ad to be effective. I think they need to be um, th- it needs to be kind of engaging and focused. I, we had really good um we almost got like customer reviews on our newsfeed ad like people would say oh i love this product and they sit there and talk about it. Oh, i lost this weight and so those performed really really well for us um but it was i think a lot of it was that we basically got like testimonials and somebody actually we had somebody complain and then we had all of these customers then reply to the person that was complaining and be like, no, but this, and you know, like they were kind of explaining things or like kind of coming to our defense, which was hugely valuable. And, and the thing with those newsfeed ads is those things stay there. And so if you replace that newsfeed ad with another one, um, it, that goes away. So, but unfortunately after a while that content gets old, so you kind of need to kind of replace it, um, to stay relevant. But, uh, I didn't know it worked that way. We, it's kind of like how Twitter ads work. We, um, we experimented for a bit. We didn't get any conversions, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of quote unquote um, engagement, mm-hmm. which is pretty broadly defined on Twitter. But one of the cool things was that you could pick an existing tweet. So we pulled our launch tweet that announced hook feed. It mentioned Stripe um, and it had a picture attached to it of the the homepage and the headline. And it had already gotten, I think, you know, 20 to 30 retweets and a bunch of favorites. So it wasn't just an ad. It was an ad with replies and retweets and like, it looked a lot better than just a, an empty ad. Yeah. I, Twitter is so ephemeral and you know, it just content drops off and, and a lot of those ads are not being seen unless they're on the Twitter website. And mm-hmm. I, I don't have, I did not, we did not have a success with Twitter ads. Um, but we didn't, we have not had success with, selling on Twitter either to the point where we don't even do uh, meal plan advertising on Twitter. We purely use it as a way to kind of engage and uh, talk to our customers. So, you know, sometimes you just take, you just make a decision that you're going to try to like not do advertising in a channel because you would rather use it for other purposes and stuff. Mm -hmm. So even though we advertise on Facebook, there's a lot more engagement and interaction that happens. Um, There will not be more than uh, three, maybe four ads out of maybe 15 to 20 posts in a week on the happier more Facebook page. So um, it's not a lot, you know, people want, and really Facebook penalizes you if you don't, if you're not doing engagement stuff. So so what's next for you guys? Are you um, really focused on just continuing to scale or are you working on some new offerings? 
Um, I, I think that we're going to continue to, um, try to do more marketing automation type stuff. Um, we are, uh, an Infusionsoft user and we found it really valuable for, um, obviously getting people to download like a sample of the meal plan and then you can use follow-up emails and, you know, also put people on, um, uh, email series. And so we want to do more of that. Um, we are, we're, we're leaving Infusionsoft to move to drip because just drip is just better for, it's a little simpler interface. It just makes kind of things that we're doing really easy and it integrates with tools we're using like Stripe and uh, DPD, which is digital product download for uh, selling single plan sales. So it's just a, I don't know, it's a better product and, and they don't charge you $2,000 to start using their product. And you, like one of the problems I had with Infusionsoft is they wouldn't let us actually use the product before we bought it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what's held us back from checking it out. It, it sounds like for marketing automation in general, you can get a lot out of it if you have volume already. Um, but not being able to even know how it, how it really works, um, especially with an older product like that, you can't really... Your gut yeah. just looking at it is that it's going to be pretty clunky. Yeah, it, and we're doing more. Um, I plan to do more Facebook ads. Um, one of the things that we're doing is getting people signed up to a an email course that talks about how to lose weight. And um, this isn't this how to lose weight course is more about thinking about like losing weight as opposed to like. Uh, like don't, you know, don't eat dressing on a salad and stuff like that. A lot of people fundamentally don't understand why they gain weight. And, um, it, it's based, a lot of it's based around habits and addictions and stuff like that. And so we kind of help people with that stuff. And, um, it's more like using a content marketing approach to then hope that those people then see that using the meal plans can be really useful and helping them kind of break bad cycles and stuff. So, um, yeah. Cool. Well, you, you also, we didn't mention it here, but you, you wrote a book that's out now about retargeting, right? Yeah. It's called return. Um, and it's basically, um, it's kind of a get quick started with retargeting. It's not very long. Um, it's specifically focused at perfect audience because perfect audience, um, is very unique, um, in kind of the retargeting space. Uh, there, the closest thing to perfect audience is ad roll, but the big, one of the biggest problems with ad roll is the way you measure, um, what is a conversion and you, with perfect audience, you can actually use JavaScript to trigger events. Um, whereas ad roll is completely focused on the URL. And so the, it, it really just kind of like opens up the world of integration using perfect audience because you can do like more sophisticated, um, retargeting. Cause my website is not built. My business logic of my website is not built around my URLs and, and, at, you know, adding weird things into the URL just to fit their, their product was not a good idea for me. And so with the book, uh, return, you know, like I said, I'm focusing on, uh, uh, perfect audience, but the thing that I wanted, I want to get over more than anything else was that any business that is getting started, especially small businesses, they should 
they should go to retargeting first because retargeting, um, not only is it really easy to get started, but it's going to be more cost effective and it's not going to require a lot of sophisticated skills that um, doing search-based advertising is going to require. When you want to start a search-based Google ad campaign, you have to build lists of keywords that target specific keywords that people are searching for. And then you need to like very closely monitor and prune those lists and add things to it. And then you got to create different ads. And there's just all this stuff that goes on that really requires somebody that's a professional marketer, a more of a professional ads person. But you don't need any of that with perfect audience. You need to create a very simple kind of branding creative. And then you need to show it to people because um Really, the long-term way to sell to people is is through branding because uh, somebody there are very few people that are probably going to search for maybe your product and then click to your website and then buy at that moment. Um, the marketing campaigns that produce an immediate effect are related to price and promotion. Now, that's not me saying that. That's uh, Gianni. F- I think it's Fugani or whatever. He's the chairman and, and co-founder of, of Comscore. You know, and it's there's a lot of evidence that branding and multiple interactions, being on newsletters, um, following you your tweets or following you on Facebook or reading your blog or using some free product that you create, that is like long-term branding. Those are the things that create value for the customer and allows them to learn about your product and then ultimately buy. And the more sophisticated your product is, the more work you're going to have to do to sell it. Um, So I think a lot of SaaS businesses like ignore advertising, especially early on um, because it's complex and it's complicated. And a lot of small businesses completely avoid this stuff because it's complex and there's this big unknown. Um, But if you can get a thousand visitors to your website, you can retarget people. Now, it may only cost you 20, you may only be spending $20 a month. So I actually have a real world example. So a friend of mine uh, runs BASAFEHunter.org and he has spent about $82 in the last 30 days and sold $565 worth of his, um, uh, it's basically a certificate service for um, that you have to have before you get a hunting license in a number of states, you know, and he's spending a small amount of money, but that small amount of money over a year's time, that's going to add up to almost $7,000 more in revenue that maybe he wasn't going to get. Now there's always going to be a portion of that that may have still purchased. So maybe half that still purchased, but guess what? That's probably that's still going to be way more. He's only spending a dollar sixty one per acquisition, so and he sell the product is between twelve and fifteen dollars, I believe. And so if he's spending six dollars or whatever, you know, yeah, that's not really what he's spending. But you see what I'm saying? It's yeah. he's getting a lot of value out of spending money to bring people back. And it, it, this product is very kind of silly, and I, I shouldn't say that. That's the wrong way to think about it. What it, there's a lot of people that will leave at maybe like, cause it's training. You have to watch videos and take little tests and it may take a couple of hours. And so people are going to start something and maybe they quit doing it, but the retargeting ads bring them back They're Oh yeah, I forgot about this. I got to go back and finish my, my training because he only gets paid when you finish your, 
your certification course. And so, you know, and this is exactly the kind of thing you got to stay. Branding is about staying relevant in the customer's mind. Um, there's very little evidence that clicks mean anything. And, and I'm going to give you a quote direct because I did a little research or I kind of compiled some stuff before we talked. And um, the same guy, the Comscore chairman, um, he basically says that there's um, the last the, the clicks don't matter on the Internet. Really what everything you're doing between mark any kind of marketing thing you're doing, it's what really matters is the branding uh, that comes from uh, running ads, doing content. And these things all add up to, to getting a customer and bringing them back. Yeah. Yeah. What I like about uh, retargeting is that if we were to do Google, we're looking at attracting people and selling them quickly on something that they've never heard of. Whereas for any any startup, if you're doing things right, you're already blogging, you're already you know building an email list. You have these people that you're helping, and that are starting to know who you are. With retargeting, you don't have to do anything extra. You just create the ad and hopefully convert more of those people. With Google, you're trying to basically build another channel on top mm-hmm. of everything else, and it's just too much work. So yeah. for us, it was so easy. We used Perfect Audience. Um, we just interviewed their founder. Um, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the smaller your business is, the smaller your number of customers are, the less often you probably need to change the ads. You might not need to change the ads, but every six months or a year, if you have a really small audience, let's say you're selling $50,000 a year worth of products and you get maybe 10,000 customers or something like that. And for even, I think even hook feed, I mean, obviously you could play with it to try to increase, um, the amount of attention, but you, you might not even need to change those ads, but every couple of months, you know, every three or six months, and we're talking about like just a small creative change where you just, you don't need to spend a lot of effort. I mean, it surely probably is a lot less effort than, uh, writing a blog post. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, writing a blog post is at least four hours. So, <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's an additive thing. Retargeting is an additive thing. For an existing business, it's not going to bring you new customers, but what it can do is make those people that have already kind of come and seen you actually buy. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, where can we keep up with you online? I am citadelgrad.co for my personal blog. And if you want to email me, you can email me at scott at citadelgrad.co. And I am, I'm basically citadelgrad everywhere on Twitter, Facebook, you know, GitHub, all that stuff. So. And that's C-I-T-A-D-E-L-G-R-A-D. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm running, running through the jungle. Run it like a slave through the underground tunnel. Told y'all niggas better get these bitches because I spit to my lips need 16 stitches. Uh, I am lyrical intrusion. You bitches can't see me like I'm really an illusion. I hop up on your face and do my motherfucking tooth that till I knock the meat out like a motherfucking toothpick. Uh, I'm nasty, nigga. Like Nas, like him, like Cassie pictures. Like I'm fucking Chris Dokes or that raspy nigga. Or the skin on the feet of an ashy nigga. I 
am Whatever they say I am Bumping like the asses on them thick bitches at stadium Fuck them other bitches, I sound better in the place of them I killed this shit, this the motherfucking rake I'm a sick bitch, chicken noodle soup phase Close from overseas like a motherfucking crusade Crack rocking, you can hit it till your nose hurt Rooftop, Brooklyn, made this shit in covert I run New York Zero past a hundred, spitting like a dragon that we're missing from a dungeon. Y'all a bunch of niggas getting trippy off of nothing. Tie a rope around your neck and let me kick you off a bungee. I'm saying, and I'ma take your ass to church now. Running my fields and you niggas on your first down. I love it when these bitches know I'm better than them. Cause down here, not a word or a letter from a fire. In the midst of the forest, round bitches and I rap. Elliptical orbits, round bitches and a conda. I sit with an open mouth, bitches and you bitches are lyrically like some fucking down syndrome. No offense, no shade and all, but y'all bitches.